Are you ready for the weekend yet? We have events, news, and a guest for you to enjoy this Lake Life weekend. Hello and welcome to another episode of Lake Life Weekend Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. This is weekend 40 approaching. It got cold, but hopefully it's going to get warm next weekend. And let's cross our fingers for this Saturday. It's actually going to be October 5th. And uh, there is one of my favorite little family events. I outran the Harry Man and um, they're organizing a um, treasure hunt and a geocaching game. Uh, it starts at 3 p.m. at Camp Cherith. That's like by Virgus, you can Google it. It's a very picturesque um, terrain. It's private actually, owned by a church, and they open it up for the, it's, a, it's, um, it's an event center, um, community club fundraiser for the city of Virgus again. Really nice. Uh, it's, a, it's a 5K, 10K run. And then uh, there's music, there's food, and then there's this geocache um, and uh, treasure hunt. It's called something different. Uh, it's escaped my mind. Uh, in German, it's Schnitzeljagd, but uh, but that doesn't help us right now at all. But yeah, so stay tuned. I'm actually going to come with Harry, and we have a guest. Maybe you remember if you listened to us last year, Fabien from France, Marseille, who was a foreign exchange student um, with me in Barnesville 20 years ago. And he's going to be visiting us again. And I plan on doing another podcast with him next week. But uh, with colder temperatures, and I actually met with Hans Gilsdorf last week just to catch up. He's a um, pretty popular local artist from Detroit Lakes. He has built a number of sculptures and art um, in and around uh, the city. And, and more, actually, you can hear his story. Um, he built the reading child in front of the library the big 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 sculpture in Detroit Lakes and there's another Angel of Hope sculpture um, to be um, yeah um, unveiled I think in the next couple of weeks and then he mentioned that there's another ice castle project coming for Detroit Lakes this winter which was a huge event and big thing and uh, I thought we we're gonna rerun our recording from uh, two years ago already in preparations of the very first ice castle uh, event and it's they need help, always need help, um, volunteers, sponsors, all kinds of things. So maybe this story here again will get you inspired to get in touch with Hans Gilsdorf and the project in Detroit Lakes at the beach by the pavilion there. It was a beautiful, beautiful setting. So yeah, um, please also go to our website lakelifeweekend.com for current events, uh, stories, news, all kinds of things. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram or Email us with any thoughts, suggestions, hello at lakelifeweekend.com. Also, thank you so much for all the feedback on our latest issue of The Fall Magazine. It is out for um, a good two weeks now, and um, we got lots of great feedback. Thank you so much. If you have not received or seen a copy yet, email us your address and we will mail you one. Again, hello at lakelifeweekend.com, and we look forward to connecting with you. Have a great weekend ahead. Talk to you soon. Bye.
yeah, welcome again to Lake Life Weekend 46. Um, I'm here with Hans Gilsdorf, um, an artist from Detroit Lakes, and uh, we will speak today and learn about the Ice Castle project, I call it just now. I don't know if this is the correct working title, but uh, um, uh, Hans is nodding to me. Yes, yeah. <laughs> welcome, Hans. Hi, thank you, Dirk. Uh, it's great to be here. Yeah, thank, thank you for coming. Uh, yeah, you were correct with calling it an ice palace. And, and the reason why that we call it an ice palace is because a castle is generally a place like a fortress for defense. It has the dungeons, has the, you know, a lot of some of the uh, aspects of what that is is not so positive versus an ice palace is a place to celebrate and uh, to festivals and that type of stuff. And that's why it's called an ice palace. Okay, well... Lucky me that I looked at your notes for a second. <laughs> Before we talk about the Ice Palace and yep. the project and something new to the area and a highlight for maybe upcoming winter seasons, we hope, um, let's learn about a little bit about, about Hans. Who, sure. Who's Hans? Tell us about the artist Hans. Um, well, uh, I kind of grew up in Minneapolis and then uh, back in third grade moved to Phoenix, Arizona. And from there, went to you know the elementary school, high school, went to Arizona State University. Uh, but the, the college, the educational environment that I was in wasn't who I was. And so I felt more comfortable actually going out and applying my talents and, and what I wanted to do through apprenticeships. Uh, so I left Arizona State University and started working with uh, professional artists in the motion picture industry uh, as an apprentice. And, and, uh, in California. In Arizona, oh, in Phoenix, Arizona. Arizona, yeah. So originally, uh, yeah, I, I worked under uh, guys who were specialists with scenic painting, doing the sets, doing the backdrops, doing uh, what you'd see for uh, behind the scenes in movies. I mean, like the backdrops, the sure, um, whatever. It's not always a real house. Sometimes it's painted. Painted, yeah. Or we'd make it look older. We would we would distress things. We would take brand new cars, make them look old. We would. Uh, uh, make uh, like in the movie Young Guns 2 it was the original set was from Silverado's but then we changed it to become Lincoln County and so it was a matter of then changing those buildings out to look like a different western oh. town that would exist in Albuquerque or in the New Mexico area um, and so that's where I learned uh, becoming a, a jack of all trades I had a director once tell me it's like uh, and, I, and I pass this along to a lot of kids uh, that I talked to um, in the area that always say yes and then you take two weeks and figure out how you're going to do it because it if you start saying no or i don't know then you get passed by for somebody else who does know or is willing to figure it out and that's been kind of my mantra of just kind of saying yeah i'll figure it out and um and that was the start of my special effects career then from doing sets, I got into special effects, sculpting, special effect makeup, uh, slitting throats, uh, creating creatures, worked with Jim Henson and the Muppets with the Teenage Mutant and Turtle movies, um, doing the uh, turtle suits uh, for Turtles 1 and 2. Um, and like I said, Young Guns 2, I uh, was in the movie Glory. So you start by saying, yes, I will, I'll do this or I'll figure it out. You know, I'd never done stunt fighting. So in the movie Glory, you become a stunt fighter as a Confederate soldier. Um, and, and after that whole career of about seven years of doing that, um, I kind of realized that a lot of friends were starting to get married or my siblings were having kids of their own. So you're missing birthday parties, you're missing celebrations, because I was always on the road. You know, I averaged about 130,000 miles a year driving all across the country, working in Arizona, California, 
uh, New Mexico, uh, Georgia, you name it, you know. Um, and then I came back and you start, uh, started working at the Phoenix Zoo, and that's where I started doing per, uh, uh, permanent public installations. And that was for uh, the visually impaired, was based uh, on funding from the Lions Club to help promote uh, the zoo in a way that, that the visually impaired could experience wildlife like never before. Because like when a, a person who's visually impaired, you know, they, they go to a zoo, they can only maybe... A parrot, a bird? No. What's, what's that? A bird? Parrot? No, a, a visually impaired. You know, like they can't see. Oh, Visually sorry. impaired. No, that's okay. Visually um, impaired. Visually impaired. So instead of saying blind, I mean, because not necessarily are they blind, they just may not have full vision. They may oh. have impaired vision. That when they go to a zoo, you know, obviously they they can smell, they can hear an animal, but they don't necessarily know the animal. So they can't they can't reach out and touch a, a uh, tiger or a lion. They can't no. go touch, you know. So what we did is this big sculpture project of creating life-size elephants, lions, the animal kingdom, was oh. for them to be able to go experience what is... Uh, an elephant. What is a tiger? What is a lion? What is a, a Which zoo in Arizona? And yeah, the Phoenix Zoo. Phoenix Zoo, yep. and is that very unique? Because I have never heard of that. Yeah, it's it was it's a very unique uh, project in the sense that it was set up for specifically that type of educational audience. element and yeah. audience with with braille pads and that type of stuff to you know and it, it's used by the whole public i mean sure. everybody gets to experience it but the because a lot thought. of people yeah they they didn't get the perspective of standing next to an african elephant the the enormity of what that animal is um and, it, and of course you know budget constraints you know it was created out of concrete and and bronze but uh they're all anatomically correct to the finest detail so one question though now, uh, recapping that you yeah. you went to art school. Uh, I went to Arizona State University for and art. For art, and yeah. then you were um, because today you're a full time artist. Yep. But like an artist not limited to photography or not an artist limited to painting, you kind of worked creatively in the s movie picture set building industry in a way, and mm -hmm. then you yeah. kind of developed your trade or My skill for sculpturing your main right sculpture, like, right yeah like and like i said uh when you know when i had that director tell me say yes and then you, you figure it out uh so my my specialty prior to all that had been painting mm. and designing um and then you start getting into sculpting and i had uh, a guy call me up a studios call me up uh in phoenix they wanted a life-size king kong bust so you can imagine King Kong is 50 feet tall. So they wanted a head and shoulders with a hand uh, for Tokyo, Japan. Um, so he called me up, and of course I said yes. And then I got no the problem. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I'm I'm right on it. Uh, and I immediately hung up the phone and I called up a few people that I knew within the the special effect field that I was in that were artists and and I knew one was a welder, one was a hairstylist, one was this one, you know, and we. I, I, you start asking these questions. How do I do this? What do I do? And we had two and a half weeks to create this whole thing. And so the next day we met at the studios and we came together and said, okay, you start welding the armature for this. I'm going to start sculpting. And I had never sculpted anything that size. You know, so you figure this. Feet. Well, the, you need it's just a head and a shoulder. So this, oh. actually the head and shoulders was about 14 feet high. Oh, you know, if you think about, you know, the, the oh. stature of a, of a gorilla. So it's just the, the bust, basically. Ah. And then a hand, and there'd be this actress of a Fay Ray um, doing this thing for this 
place in Tokyo, Japan. But um, but again, it, it's that say say yes and you, and and you figure it out. You, you know, fell into it and and then yeah, and so I started building my skills, my knowledge of becoming a, a, a pseudo jack of all trades, a master of few, is a, is an old saying. Um, that you learn painting, you learn sculpting, you learn, and I observe and I ask questions and I, you know, how do you do that with the fur? How do you how do you weld? So you learn welding, you learn sculpting, and then so you get to the Phoenix Zoo project. You know, again, I never mixed concrete in my life. I had never ever. So I called my dad. Dad, what are you doing? He goes, I th- I think it's a two to one ratio. Two to one what? Sand and cement. Okay. So you you, you start experimenting. Six months later, I've got a full-size African elephant created to the utmost detail to give the opportunity for the visually impaired and, and the public to experience a life-size African elephant up front, personal, all the dynamics and anatomy of what an elephant is. Um, and so they, their takeaway from that is a lot of education purposes that they start to understand their, you know, a good sense of perspective on, on relationships and size of what an animal is. Um, and then from there, I got hired uh, into uh, up to Minneapolis, actually. So my wife, Mary Beth, who's youngest of Norby's uh, from Detroit Lakes, and we lived in Phoenix, um, we'd always wanted to move back to Minnesota. Our grassroots, our roots, our family history is all from up in this area. And so when we had the opportunity to move to Minneapolis, we, we jumped on it. And I, I got hired by a museum supply company um, to be their headmaster sculptor. And then uh, she was hired by an engineering company in Northfield. So I worked in North Minneapolis. She worked in Northfield. Um, and from there, you know, I uh, was sculpting life-size dinosaurs, sculpting life-size whales, making exhibits for museums, places in the St. Paul Science Museum, um, and, and pieces that were all over the country. And again, that the jack-of-all-trades, you started sculpting, you started painting, you started, you started really learning mold making. And it's just by learning and asking and observing others and and that's where I started actually uh, increasing the amount of tools that I would, I would have in my toolbox that I could take the next projects and um, from there we moved to Detroit Lakes and that's where I am now and so I have my own studio I have two studios actually an in, uh, interior studio which is my library uh, design studio where I do drafting modeling uh, model building um, painting research and uh, that type of conceptual art and then I have an outdoor studio where it's for the actual fabrications of the you know where you can be dusty and dusty and, and and it's called the fort yeah Mary Beth calls it my fort where you can build you can weld uh my my two daughters have been out there doing projects where they spill paint that's good that's fine I mean let your creative creativeness flow let you know and don't worry about the mess and the spills just it's the end product that comes out of the building. Is it really outside, or is it actually a garage? It's a steel pole building. It's a separate ah, okay. steel steel pole building that was originally so it, has a roof. A, well, it has a roof, has <laughs> walls, and it was originally a, a boat storage with dirt floors. Oh. And and uh, you know, it's kind of like your incredible studio here, where it's it was something that was very old, and it's repurposed to become something cool and fun. And it's not uh, like my studio. It's not anything fancy and I and I love showing that to kids it doesn't take anything fancy it's what comes out of it and that's what is important it's the soul the heart what is inside that building that produces creativity right and 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 what goes out of it is what's important Mm -hmm. you know it's it's the outcomes that come from that kind of a place so how long have you been in Detroit Lakes and then what do people know or could know 
uh, uh, public art. So you have several pieces in our area right. on display. Actually, it's not really on display, but it's, it's yeah, made it's by there. you. It's, it's there. there. It's yeah, there. It's public art. Yeah. Yes. So how long have you been in back in Detroit Lakes? We we moved to Minneapolis in '95 and then Detroit Lakes in '99, and so 1999 okay. we moved. Almost 20 years. Yep. So we're yeah. It, time flies. Uh, I'm at the age where it, it's like, wow, winter again. <laughs> when, <laughs> when did that happen? Um, but, yeah, when we moved up in 99, uh, uh, you know, I, the first thing I did is, is I renovated that outdoor pole barn to become a studio, uh, renovated one of the bedrooms to become an indoor studio. Um, and then from there, you know, moving from, you know, I lived in Phoenix, Arizona. I lived in Burnsville. You know, I worked in Los Angeles, uh, Santa Fe, Wilmington, North Carolina. I mean, you're always in these big cities. This is my first experience. Besides, I mean, I grew up on Pelican Lake, which is about 15 miles south. So I had a concept of small towns, but that was the summers, you know, and you're a child growing up, and that's Vacations, a great escape. It's vacation. Mean. It's vacation life. It's lake life. I mean, who, you can't beat lake life. You can't beat pontooning, boating, skiing, no TV, hanging out with family and friends. Um, but when you move to it, when you're older, you know, we had a two-year-old at the time, uh, my daughter Kendra, um, and, and Megan was uh, actually going to be born that summer when we moved up. Um, now you're immersed in a small community, and I, I wasn't sure what to do. Mary Beth was with her family business, um, and we're getting ready, for, like I said, our second daughter. Uh, I'm like, what, what, do I, what do I do? You know, and it, it was all sounding great pearl connie moving from big city now you have a family to a small community where you're you know people are going to be watching out for your kids to (laughs) yeah you know and and at the time the stores weren't they had limited hours on saturdays they were closed sundays and so when do you you know so uh mary beth suggested that i I, um sign up with the chamber the beautification uh group. group yeah and so i said all right so i joined that group and we, we would do things to beautify for the holidays. Uh, we talked about different things that we could do within the community. And so it got me immersed a little bit more in, in gravity, you know, gradually even more and more by meeting business people, uh, other similar people, like-minded that want to do something to, for the community. Like public art. Yeah. And, and Jolene Shodin, yeah, she, she had this idea of it'd be great to have this big sculpture down by the lake. And so we started talking about it. Well, how do we fund it? Well, from that, uh, at the time, the cows on parade in Chicago was occurring, where the the big fiberglass cows, they were like a a neutral white-based fiberglass cow. And then the the artists would paint them uh, or decorate them or sculpt to them type of thing. So I thought that would be a great way to start um, merging artists with businesses, businesses with artists. So I... Uh, and, and at the same point is to raise money for art to become this, this sailboat sculpture. So what I, what I did then was uh, with uh, a couple other people, uh, Jonathan Danielson and, and Terry Lynn Nelson, we, the three of us kind of said, let's do this. And um, so I sculpted the original fish, made the molds. We had a company in Minneapolis, did the castings. And we, we yeah, worked Yeah, what with, was it? You did it the was fish a sunfish. project. It was yeah. a sunfish, yeah. That's, yeah Sunny and DL. Over, yeah, all, like 50 of them? We did 50, yeah, you're right. And and so each one was going to be a unique piece of artwork. And so, again, it was how do we get artists to meet businesses, business meet artists, which is a nice collaboration uh, and a community get-together to introduce people who may never have crossed paths before, now had an opportunity to meet. So the artists would supply us with their designs, businesses who were sponsoring these fish 
would then see the design, and then they would then work with the artist to how to get When to was that? That was, I knew you'd ask me dates. Um, that would be about 2002, yeah, okay. somewhere in there. 15 years ago. Yeah. And they are out, I see one at the parking lot of um, Central Market, then there's one in the mall. By, on the uh, corner of uh, Washington and, uh, what is it, uh, Home Street or... Okay. You know, yeah. by the ERA building. Um, yeah. So, we, so they are out in they the are out and about, on display. So. Yeah. And mine, I did, I actually ended up doing two of them. And, you know, and it was all donations, all volunteer time. And the one that I did was uh, for the Becker County Museum. Mm-hmm. And it's called Neptune's Wild Ride. And that's on permanent display there. Um, and I did another one for Quaco Drug, which is, uh, or the Quaco building, which is White Drug at the time on Washington Avenue, but that's no longer there. And that fish has now been bought and traded or whatever and it's now i think at the flea market shady hollow oh yeah and um and the 50 fish still exist where they are exactly we're not fully sure yeah they swam away but the Uh, project was to fund the sculpture by the by the um the pavilion that big the big steel, bronze. yeah, oh, it's steel. bronze, yeah, it's, it's bronze. actually steel co- covered in epoxy bronze. Oh, okay, um, so that is one of your pieces, yep, that's yes. on permanent display. It's a public art, it's the right. symbol of the city of Detroit Lakes. We have that sailboat, the sailboat. yes, yeah, yep, and okay. that was fabricated with with uh, bow ironworks in Jamestown. Another in collaboration, recent one that I know of is the big sculpture in front of the library, right? That and that was that was, yeah, that was uh, Mary Haney contacted me, um. To, to do a piece that would commemorate the 100th anniversary of their building the, the, oh. and, and the library. And so meeting with the board, meeting with their steering committee, their groups, um, over the process of about a half a year to a year almost of conceptual designs, roundtable talking, to find out, you know, and again, a big thing at R2 is communication and listening and, and talking, but mostly listening. And so this, that, that's what the premise of this was, is I wanted to create something that would reflect what the library and the community wanted. Oh, wanted. Yeah. And it's a huge sculpture. It's, uh, it is. It's 14, six meters. 14 feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> meters, yeah. 14 feet, feet, which would be yeah, meter-wise. Yeah, it's... Uh, you do the math. Four. Yeah, it's six meters. His eyeballs are swirling yeah, yeah, right now. Six he's, meters he's, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's 14 feet uh, by eight feet wide and eight feet high. Yeah, and, and it's sixteen and a half tons of concrete. Sixteen and a half tons. Tons. Yeah. Now you're going so back to now kilos. we're going back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You do the math to the kilos. No, um, yeah, so it's it's, okay. it's so it's all uh, rebar and and sculpted uh, in steel. What I had to do uh, first in order to uh, create this shape was hand bend all this rebar and steel, weld it to be about an inch within the outer dimensions of what the sculpture is. And then we filled it with concrete and then sculpted on top of that. And then it's actually covered with a, a sculpting epoxy. And the reason for that is, is in case there's, you know, damage or vandalism or weathering or whatever, it's easy to repair because you can't get new cement necessarily to stick so well to old cement. But this way, I can repair it, touch it up. Because the whole purpose of this was to get kids to fully experience. Now um, you miss saying what it is. It's a child laying on its yeah, back, yeah, reading yeah, a book yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's just <laughs> the yeah, describe the piece. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's it's a it's a boy or girl. It's non non descriptive. A child, uh, basically laying on their back, propped up on their elbows, uh, with their legs crossed, reading a book. And you can climb on it, and it's yeah. allowed to be experienced. Correct. It's yeah, the, the the forearms of this child, and the hands are the height of a chair, so they're sixteen inches high, and the feet are uh, obviously 
roughly about 20, 24 inches in with a, where the legs are crossed with the knees. That's a seating area. But oh, it's all seating. I can it's, read It's outside. all designed for kids to interact and to sit on. Do they understand? Is people using it? They do. People okay. do. And yet some people, because they've been told so many times, don't touch, don't experience, don't da 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 that in the past in the past and in other and now it's I, I i've told people as to go sit on that go experience it. many these kids they just their eyes lighten up to to experience something and the favorite place for people to sit is with their back in the book with their legs going up to the chin of this child it's kind of sitting there reading which is kind of fun to watch them reading when the child when, the yeah, sculpture yeah, itself's yeah. reading yeah um but that's what this whole piece was about and that's what the 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 library group really conveyed to me as is and and it was a, a process of communicating and designing and coming up with it and and um and again uh originally we wanted it to be bronze but the cost of that was so exorbitant i mean it was beyond reasonable fundraising so i said what if we let me rethink this and drawing back in my past you know of the elephant sculpture it's like i could create this out of concrete for mm. much mm. Uh, much more economically and so that's what we ended up doing and um and so it's it's a fun piece every time i drive by i see people interacting with it so now we learn steel bronze uh, cement concrete but we are arriving at the ice sculpture we learned (laughs) that you're heavily involved in public art and of course it just makes sense that you're building an ice sculpture or an ice palace and how did that come apart like um did you just like me wake up one morning and had that brilliant idea or how did you how did that happen yeah no it you know again it's it's this culmination of uh like you said and i do it professionally this is what i do every day i get up 8 a.m and i work in the studio till 6 p.m every day well not weekends necessarily but but you know and it's just this career building up on all these different materials and all this stuff and and you think you know everything you know i've i've designed children's hospitals for 15 years in in fargo uh, and, oh, that's and, another project. And Bismarck, yeah, and uh, Detroit Lakes to, to create environments um, for kids, to, for children and younger patients not to feel like they're in a hospital setting, you know, to create a, a we called it a distraction program. So they didn't necessarily feel that they're in a hospital. So like Fargo was uh, the Renaissance Village. Every child had their own house and mailbox and da-da-da they could go into. Bismarck was Peter Pan themed with the uh, nurse stations as a pirate ship and Wendy's bedroom was the playroom and, and a lost boy tree. And so, you, you, so again, with all those, it, like you're saying, it's it's different epoxies, sculpting, materials, things that have to conform to fire rating, uh, safety, all this stuff. So you get this culmination of all this stuff comes together and you, you think you're kind of on this path, you know. And like I said, you know, you, you always say yes. And so back in February, Amy Stearns at the Holmes Theater said, hey, I got this idea that we've been, we've been, called upon by St. Paul to do this ice harvest. Would you want to build an ice palace? Sure. You know. And, Why not? <laughs> and and from that, that point was the, the birth of the IOC, the Ignorant Optimist Club, because we really, at that time, it was uh, we formed a steering committee with a bunch of locals, uh, Scott Walls and Amy Stearns, the, the, the head of this whole thing. And so I joined on board right away, uh, you know, and thinking it's those blocks of ice, you know, you buy at the grocery store. You sure. know, I'm like, ah, we can stack those. Easy. We can stack those. Or just what, ten inch by ten inch blocks? Like, I yeah. no problem. Well, you, you know, through this, um, and the the original project was to supply ice 
uh, 24,000 to 30,000 blocks of ice for St. Paul for their ice palace. They were going to build a world record palace. And uh, it was an awesome group of people down there. And again, it was all volunteerism. Um, this great Minnesota get-together. We're going to harvest ice up in Detroit Lakes, bring it to St. Paul. They're so going to build were, this, this like big we ice We were palace. approached, the city of Detroit Lakes, to pro provide ice cut yep. out of big Detroit little or Detroit, little Detroit. Actually, yep, by the and, and, yeah. and then since so we provide ice and they cut it out and then yeah we we were looking at logistics of uh cutting that many blocks of ice and they're 22 by 44 inches by 12 inches weighing roughly 350 400 pounds each you know that's each block of ice weighing that amount of weight and then how to get them onto pallets onto semi trucks and then it'd be about 240 semi loads to st paul 240 semi that's what we were looking at and so we were looking at conveyor belt systems and how to get it from the lake up onto semi trucks into different parks and working with the city the city's been awesome with with um helping us to try to figure this out and and uh they you know and, and everybody's known the value of what this was and the whole point also for us was to get detroit lakes on the national map and this was in conjunction with st paul building it with the uh super bowl that was going to be hosted in minneapolis in 2018 so it was really a, a this huge conglomeration of putting minds together, efforts together, um, materials, volunteerism, and and the whole premise was just to build something. And skills. Like and how do skills, you, yeah. And, how and you cut it out. Right, and and to build something that's uh, so incredibly unique and, and to show that we are fun-loving people who embrace winter. We embrace all the seasons up here. And that's originally... They around. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and, that, and that's exactly what it came from back in the 1880s was uh, a guy from the east came out and saw people in St. Paul as part of the railroad industry trying to expand uh, the whole concept of industrialization out here. Kind of said, you guys are a bunch of insane people living in here in a frozen tundra. Well, the people of St. Paul took it personally and said, we, we're going to build a palace. In 1886, I believe, they built this First huge palace yeah, of, of ice. And then, and then the population boomed and people said, yeah, they, these are creative, fun-loving, outdoor all season people. loving people so but st paul now no longer wants to build this ice palace they they, they yeah they unfortunately because uh, like i said they, these people down there their hearts are all in the right spot they were they were awesome they've been extremely helpful to all of us to help guide us to give us uh, especially me trying to figure out how to build our own ice palace they've been very informative very you know call any time and it was very unfortunate their funding didn't come through. So they had to back out. They're still going to build a smaller palace that's not 30,000 blocks of ice, but roughly four to 5,000 blocks of ice. And it's going to be, a, I believe, still in Rice Park, where they've, they've traditionally had their, their festival, downtown St. Paul. Um, and But, you know, for about 10 seconds, we, we were kind of like, oh, what do we do? And we like, we're still, again, ignorant Optimist it. Club. We're still going to do it. <laughs> And so, so we're going to have our ice palace as planned. We are going to have it as planned. And so I designed it. Uh, the dimensions of the thing um, are roughly about uh, close to 60 feet long, about 25 feet deep, and then 24 feet high. So it's... it's so 20 it, meters by 6 meters. There you go. <laughs> God, you are good with the math. <laughs> You're now volunteering to count yes, how many yes. blocks of ice I need for this palace. Oh, oh. But... There, it's so going to be large, that's what I mean. Yeah, it's, it's huge. huge. So there's a center tower um, that, that goes way up and then an outer square, and then there's two side wings. And then in the front is a big throne, um, and then there's like a bench all the way around it. And so now um, 
because now we're just doing our own and we were going to have like an ice harvest festival as part because we were supposed to start December 15th with St. Paul in order to get their ice to allow them to have the time to build their big pals. Well now that that's not necessarily the case so we projects like this are you find are very fluid you have to bend you have to stretch you have to be creative on how we're going to do it so we were going to be doing it in people's park uh in the volleyball courts because we're trying to find the most minimal damaging kind of area if you you know you don't want to do it in a ballpark and damage so that's infield. behind uh, that's by the um, yeah it's by the uh, the skating rinks yes yes so. and so but now talking with the, the ice cutting guys at, at uh you know, they said, well, you can just build it on the beach. Well, so we were also planning on having the Becker County Museum because uh, Detroit Lakes used to be a huge ice harvest area. On Detroit Lakes, they used to harvest about 18 acres every year of ice for the uh, railroad industry. That would be for, and then for refrigeration. So they yeah, would storm and sawdust and they would, yeah, they would then be able to bring refrigerated foods all over the country and a big supplier was Detroit Lakes. Huh. And so... There, we still have a bunch of these men that used to do it, are still oh, really? alive today. Yeah, and so it's been very interesting. Uh, I have yet to meet them, but uh, but because of that, uh, Becky Mitchell at the Becker County Museum, they in the pavilion they want to have an exhibit there while we're harvesting. Oh, so coming up beautiful. on January eleventh uh, and twelfth is when uh, we cut is coming up to cut the ice. So we're going to do an uh, ice harvest there. So we're going to be harvesting about sixteen hundred blocks of ice. It's about an acre and a half of ice, and um, and if anybody's curious to know um, the the facts, and they say you know we're taking water out of our lake, is that depleting the amount of water we yeah. have in our lake? Well, we had engineers. Uh, Scott Walls had had a uh, uh, engineers. Uh, yes, of course it is. But it will to, come back. to look, yeah, to look up the statistics and what is if you took a foot of ice out of even five yeah. acres, what we were originally oh, planning? How, how many liters? Are missing? Actually, we lose more water by evaporation on a single day in the summer. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, than you would oh, in this whole, whole ice surface. surface. The whole surface is evaporating. Yes, of course. More yes. ice than what we would have harvested. But now we're only doing just over about an acre. And it's really not that much so ice no and impact. water. So, and now building it, we've, we've kind of, because I said like we're fluid, now we're deciding to build it out in front of the pavilion because the, the Becker County Museum wants to do an exhibit in the pavilion on ice harvest past, present, mm-hmm. and uh, so now we're going to harvest right out in front of the pavilion, which is straight on the south side of Washington Avenue, um, is to build a palace there. The beach is flat enough, and then so when the ice melts and all that, it was washed it back goes into right the, back into the lake. Yeah, so sure. we're really not losing anything. No. <laughs> you know, um, and, and a lot of the events that, you know, we're going to harvest on um, January 11th and 12th. And then we start the construction of the ice palace. So you, you know anybody can come down and watch us and and see what we're doing as we're figuring it out on a daily basis. How do you cut basis. it? Like a motor saw? Yeah, they have. Uh, I haven't seen the equipment exactly. I've seen photographs, but it's like a, a two-wheeled, uh, big motorized handled thing that has a huge blade in the front, mm, like a big dangerous. saw blade. And they 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 cut these lines and then they score every forty-four inches and then float these big, mm. big strips of ice and then they break them into this uh into their 44 inch lengths and then they get on a crib conveyor belt system that takes them from the water up mm. uh, to a ramp and then that's where we get them and put them on pallets and sixteen thousand little bricks 1600 so oh. 1600 oh, 1600 yeah. okay yeah Still. and each one will weigh if if the ice is roughly i think we 
think I've been told that if the Ten ice inch. is like 12 inches thick, 12 inch they're about 400 pounds each. But now, because we're Allison having early freeze up right now for some reason, oh, which yeah. is which is fun, um, that if we're now harvesting later, we might be looking at thicker ice. Of course. The ice is still going to be making ice. You know, I mean, the, the lake is still freezing up. So we may be looking at thicker ice blocks, which then means recalculating how many blocks I need. Because the, the palace I've designed is based on 12 inch thick blocks but have also another 20 inch thick or they're 30 inch you know we need fewer but so the so the ice sculpture though is yeah and i see a drawing i'll take a picture later but um it's going to be illuminated but it's not yes. accessible so i cannot go in because of liability, uh, liability and, but, and, and, and but there's benches all around so i can use it it's a kind of becoming a furniture in a way no yes and that's a good thing you brought that up because yeah because we have uh Again, it, it's a huge gathering of people that are going to volunteer and donate to make this thing happen. We are fundraising to raise around forty thousand dollars, I think, maybe more. And that's, but but we're also with that we're doing lights down uh, West Lake Drive that'll be permanent, that are sailboats to be up year round. Mm. Um, and then uh, it's it's for those hard costs. I you know I'm volunteering all my time on this and and. Donating. All, donating, and I'm volunteering, and, and all the guys that are building it are doing the same thing. The money that we're raising is for the hard costs, for the lights that we will then, again, use for further uh, projects like this in the future, so they'll be reusable. But then it's for those hard costs. I don't want anybody to have to spend money to do, because when you get these cranes and these skid steers and the backhoes and all these heavy equipment that we need out there, they have to have oil changes and fuel. We have to have fuel for sure. heating to keep our equipment from thawing out, you know, for, for, from freezing. freezing, so we have to yeah. thaw them out, all the chainsaws, all the equipment, not only to mention heating uh, the area for for workers, mm. you know, to, to go to go to a trailer to warm up, because we may be looking at sub-zero temperatures to build this thing that, you know, mm. you can only be outside for so long, and we're working with ice, in ice, mm. you know. So those are hard costs, so we are fundraising for that, and that's, again, these companies already donate to... You know they're they're great with philanthropy to help other organizations that they've already scheduled for. So I don't want them to have to spend out more money to do what this is. So that's why we're trying to fundraise to to reimburse them for those costs, those hard costs that um, I don't want them to incur because they're donating their time, their equipment. That's 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 a huge gift, um, and and we're all doing it um, to to celebrate Detroit Lakes, to celebrate winter, to celebrate and to do something so unique. Um, of why we live up here. And it's something to bring people to Detroit Lakes to highlight our community. Um, and so, like I said, we're, we're harvesting on January 11th and 12th, so we encourage the public come down to, to check it out, to see it. But then we're going to start building the Ice Palace, and we're the, the goal is to have it open by February 8th, which is the start of the Polar Fest. And then it'll be up and running um, through... February 8th? February 8th, mm -hmm, yep. Mm -hmm. And then it'll be running through the 19th. Um, and that night, it's going to be lit up. We have... Uh, this this awesome guy Mike Schmidt here in Perm. So it's not just Detroit Lakes. We got Mike Schmidt from Perm. He's coming out. He's going to light it for us. So yeah. he's he's going to light this whole thing up. So at night, it's going to change colors. It's going to be this really cool uh, effect. This great place. And there's going to be a throne, a ice throne out front for photo ops. Um, I have uh, Mark Rasmussen out in uh, Lake Park, who's made the ice tongs. He's taken these massive steel logging tongs and modifying to be ice tongs based on the help that we got from St. Paul on how they build their ice pals. So it's, it's, we got ice tongs. 
Well, they're logging tongs. If you think of like the old days of the the old uh, two-handed oh. ice tongs, oh. well, these have to be held by a huge cable on a crane or a backhoe, and uh, to oh, lift. Like and hand. so it's mm. it's so that it's, it. it's basically a compression. So you have a ring, and it's the force of the lift compresses it into the block of ice. Mm-hmm. But a logging tong has the single tines in the middle, so they'll they'll break these big blocks of ice in half. So we had to put horizontal cross supports with three tines on each side so you have a total of six tines hitting this ice block yeah. you know because you don't want to have a four to seven hundred pound block ice go up in the air and split in two you know no. and come down on anybody below yeah so like i said we're <laughs> learning quite a process at, we're learning as we go mm-hmm. and we're, we're um we're figuring out as we go and we're doing everything possible to get the right people in play to have the right players to come together to make this thing happen so do you still need volunteers? Yeah, we're looking for volunteers. We're looking for anybody with talent, uh, guys that are women that, that can work with equipment, um, that want to be a part of that know, you know, bricklaying. And, you know, and that's kind of a weird thing because we keep saying, well, bricklayers are the guys that work with big blocks. I think stone or concrete is way different than ice. No, but as long probably. as you're comfortable trying to figure this type of stuff out and, and height, you know, we're looking for we're looking for help to do this, and not only that, we're looking at some volunteers um, that'll help uh, with traffic or helping out explain things while we build. Um, that could be there, so we're not being interrupted while we're building. Sure. And the general public's asking questions that there are people that should can help. be fenced off. Yeah. It's also, a work zone now. Yeah, it'll be fenced off, but you know, there's people just want to ask questions. They want to know. They want to learn. You know, and and so we you should have the that. exhibit open earlier. Well, they're going to have the exhibit open early, and then I don't know how long that's going to be running, but it'll be open during the Polar Fest, which is already this long-standing event we have up here to celebrate winter. Yeah. So we have the Polar Plunge will be right now right in the next front week. of this, and all these different events that are happening throughout the whole week. That you know is the, the two weekends and a fireworks show that ends the whole thing on the second weekend, um, and also with the palace is is kind of this. We don't want it just to be a standalone palace, so we're getting kind of crazy and kind of fun with it. Of we want to create family family room furniture, living room furniture in front of it. So maybe a sofa, a couple love seats, a couple chairs. To out of cre- ice. Out of ice. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to take these blocks of ice, and now we're going to create more seating area. So it becomes a an event in its own self. If you want to go experience to sit on ice and experience this big wonderland of ice that came literally 100 feet away. Yeah. And maybe then, in the future, isn't there like ice sculpture uh, uh, contest and yeah, stuff. and that's maybe what that can that's grow like down the road, right? And one you're, of the you just you just tagged on something, yeah, exactly. Oh, I should have not said no, that. no, no. That's that's great that you you know you forget kind of where you're going with this, but part of that also is we want to bring in uh, snow sculptures or uh, ice sculpting. So we're looking into that to get um, oh, maybe oh, during some, the time already. Yeah, to maybe get some professionals to come in to help and then work with the high school kids or kids to teach them how to do some of these things. So oh, they sure. themselves then can go experience and learn and enjoy winter for all it's worth. And so we're trying to make this not just a ta-da, we built a nice palace, mm-hmm. which would be a but miracle in itself on my, yeah. <laughs> from my perspective. But, but, then, to involve the but then to get the community and then get more people to come down and really enjoy it. Yeah. And, and, that, and that's the whole point of what this is all about. And, and again, it's, it's all volunteer. I'm not getting paid for this. Nobody's getting paid for this. And um, and it's just this, we do it because... For it's, the people, by the people. Exactly, exactly. 
Yeah. No, I yeah. think it's a beautiful uh, um, story, and I'm glad I, I learned about it a little while back. And I I thought we definitely need to communicate that, and maybe we reach one or the other that is able to support uh, physically or mm -hmm. monetarily. Right. Uh, um, because I think uh, are you halfway through uh, your uh, fundraising, or I know he is always about fundraising. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're we're about a third of the way there, and we're we're, we're reaching out. We do have uh, sponsorship opportunities uh, at different levels um, that you can contact the chamber or um, let's see. I'm trying to think here. We got. We do have a, a website, www.iceharvestdl.com, mm -hmm. um, or you can just go into the, the chamber uh, as sure. well. Um, but there's opportunities for that. So, I mean, if you can't physically help out, but you monetarily want to help out, yeah. we would love that. And again, the money is going towards um, lights for the palace, but then also permanent lights for Westlake Drive to go on the light poles to be okay. up year-round. And they're a fantastic design with the sailboat mm -hmm. um and and it and it, it's yeah it's just just a, a great feeling of just bringing everybody together to i'm excited celebrate winter yeah, yeah i'm, I'm to, looking we're very out. excited for it and we've all been working on this since february we've been meeting once or twice three times a week we've gone down to st paul to go to the state capitol and meet in the senate hearing room to discuss this with uh the st paul engineers the st paul team down there and, and again, you know, it's unfortunate that their end of it f fell through um, because we were having a great time with those people and they're a fun-loving bunch. And in fact, they have a, a, a royal family, the King Boreas and his royal family with the, uh, and, the and the Vulcans, the King Vulcanus and those guys that, that are their... Imaginary royal they're, family. They're the royal, yeah, they're imaginary, but they yeah. are actual people who okay. go around and, and uh, participate with the their ice palace and their winter carnival. Um, but they also travel around the state and uh, sometimes around the nation, actually, to this feel-good ambassadorships that, that are just a fun-loving group of people. And they came up to the water carnival, and we, we built a parade float for them, and they participated. And they, we got to know these people, and they are just a, a hoot, and they're just all in on whatever they do. Well, and I'm sure they're coming when the project is completed. And well, we hope to invite them back up. Should. Yeah, we'd like to invite them back up. Yeah. Um, uh, in, and, you know, so if it's something that nobody knows about, the, the Ice Carnival, the St. Paul, their royal family, look them up. It's, it's a great organization and it's a great group of people. And uh, because of that, we, I, I said, well, you can't have your own king, you know, your own Ice King. We have to have our own too, you know. And, and the premise... That was also inspirational for me as they build their ice palace to bring back this the spirit of winter, the ice palace, and for this the spirit that they have this King Boreas. So I said, well, we need to have our own. So I created King Isbet, and we're going to be doing some unveiling with him coming up soon. And he uh, he's uh, our our king for all. He's a a, a representative for. Uh, for all reasons, for all seasons. And so on him, he carries all the iconic images of all the festivals that we have throughout the year in Detroit Lakes. And so his name is King Isbet, which is Scandinavian for Ice Cube. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he's a quirky thing, but I also wanted to create a character that would that would reflect that this Ice Palace is a family event. It's to let kids come out and adults come out and seniors come out and everybody come out and just kind of feel good about why why we live where we live is in the lakes area. Yeah, no, I think it's a it's a beautiful addition for to survive the winter, let's say. And right. since it has been arrived early and we are already freezing and 
<laughs> not, not really happy. I think that's maybe a highlight to really look forward to and, yeah. um, yep. and maybe even get engaged uh, in or uh, maybe in the future if it becomes yeah. an annual thing. So thank you. Right. Thank you really for sharing the story. And um, you can go on uh, iceharvestdl.com to learn more. Yep. Or you go contact Kerry at the chamber, I suppose, and uh, uh, for questions right. or support. Right, and this, and this is going to be a part of Polar Fest. So it's just one of one a of event of many events that's happening at Polar Fest. So yeah. Polar Fest is, uh, you know, two weekends long. It, it's the full week. I mean, as events going through, it's kind of like a winter version of Water Carnival. Yeah. So they have their own committee, and these guys have been great to welcome us into their folds of, of the celebration of the, of the winter. And um, and so we're working now in conjunction with them, which now is it makes it a lot more fun than two separate things. It's very fitting that we have Polar Fest and an ice palace, and it just makes a whole whole event more fun for the entire family and and people all around to come to Detroit Lakes to see why we live here and why why we do the dumb things that we do and that's the <laughs> ignorant optimist club <laughs> yeah. yeah lake life year round i love it yeah exactly well, thank you very much for coming and sharing the story oh, sure thing and i think we will follow up uh, at least uh, with images uh, when the time comes around and uh, yeah and share more about it uh, when the event is uh, available to touch and feel and yeah experience. everything everything right now is just on paper <laughs> And then eventually, hopefully, it's all in ice. Yeah, all in ice. <laughs> Thanks again. Thank you, Dirk. Yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, have a good weekend. Yes, you too. <laughs> yeah, this was already our uh, newest episode of the Lake Life Weekend Podcast. We sure hope you enjoyed it. Uh, tune in again next week with another great guest and updates. Always check out our website, uh, lakelifeweekend.com. And if you have some comments, please feel free to email us at hello at lakelifeweekend.com and uh, you have a wonderful weekend ahead. Uh-huh.